All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuckettes? How's it going? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome. Well, sit down. Welcome. How are you? Everyone's welcome here. Okay, I don't know what, what, how you're going to take it, but but you're certainly welcome to sit down and uh, listen for a little while to what we do here. Why don't I tell you who the guest is before I start rambling? It is the amazing Edie Patterson, one of the most inspired comic actresses that I know of. You've seen her in The Righteous Gemstones. That's the new one. That's on HBO. But she was also in uh, in Vice Principals. She's done other stuff. But her performance in Vice Principals and now in this uh, Righteous Gemstones, all the, uh, <laughs> the Danny McBride stuff, it's just... She's the best. She's so funny, so raw, so emotionally present, and so great. So funny in a very real way. I met her at uh, years ago, a couple years ago, down in Highland Park. And I was so excited, and it took us this long to get her on the show. So she's here, and I'm excited about it. We're going to talk about the Righteous Gemstones, but other stuff too. So that's exciting, right? I'm excited. Oh, my God. I'm starting to be able to think again relatively clearly with some follow-through since the uh, the nicotine incident, since the incident of me stopping it day 11 this morning. And, uh, you know, it comes like there's still that moment where, you know, I eat something or I get done exercising or I wake up or I, uh, you know, uh, I'm about to eat something or I get in my car or I make a... Almost, there's that moment after I, after and before I do anything where I kind of want a nicotine lozenge. <laughs> There's that moment all the time, every second of every day, where I kind of want a little bit of that thing that I like that's not great for me. Whew, I'll be at the Vogue Theater in Vancouver uh, tomorrow night. I believe it might be sold out. Then I'll be at the Moore Theater in Seattle on Saturday. There might be some tickets for that. More importantly, ticket-wise... I'm at JFL 42 in Toronto on September 19th. I believe that's a Thursday. Could use uh, some folks there just so I don't feel embarrassed. Look, I don't give a fuck one way or the other. Some of these halls are big. I know who I am. I'm a, you know, I'm, I have who, there are those that like me. There are those that don't know me and there are those that don't get it. And then there are those that don't like me at all. So those that like me, you know, it's not most people in the world, but there's enough of them. And I just like them all to come that the, all those that like me that live in Toronto, I'd like you to come out on September 19th. If you could. Thank you. Nice to talk to you. The Vic in Chicago on September 20th. I'm sure that is sold out. Now, this is the other one. The Masonic Temple in Detroit, Motor City on September 21st. That's a Saturday, I believe. That one needs a little... I don't know what's going on in Detroit. Could have something to do with the entire city was decimated and it was and it is now slowly rebuilding into something amazing. I don't know what it is. I don't think the tickets are too expensive. I would think that I would have some fans in Detroit, but I don't know what's happened there. I don't know who's there. I don't know who my people are there. But again, there are those that like me, those that don't know me, those that don't get it, and those that fucking can't stand me. Just want the people that like me to come. And if they live in Detroit, a good night to do that or surrounding areas would be on September 21st. I'll be at the Pantages Theater in Minneapolis, one of my favorite theaters and favorite cities on September 22nd. Always love going there. Okay. 
I think that's probably doing okay, but there might be tickets. I don't know. I told you what I need. Go to WTFPod.com slash tour for ticket info and all of my tour dates for the rest of the year. I'm very happy. I got a lot of emails about Buddy Guy. Uh, Buddy Guy, it was an honor for me to meet him as well. I'm so glad that so many blues fans reached out, shared their stories about seeing Buddy, about how, how wonderful it was to hear him share the old tales of the, the guys that uh, us blues people love. Uh, and I'm just glad that people got off on that. There was a couple questions. It's sort of like people asking, why didn't you jam with Buddy? You know, I, I don't I don't lean on that as much as I used to. It's not as easy to record people up here, but also like I started to realize like it's sort of a big ask. You know, he's uh sometimes the last thing these guys want to do is not not only play in the middle of the day on on a thing, but have some stranger that they don't know anything about or if he can play or not play with them. So the, the ask wasn't put forward, and, and that's just the way it goes. I would have liked to have played. I would have been intimidated to play, but I certainly would have tried to, uh, to rise to the occasion. Didn't happen, though. Nonetheless, great talk. Also, uh, I'm, I'm very thrilled about the reactions to my, my uh, Dale Baran conversation. Um. That was an important conversation. It was a lot of important information. Some of you thought that I talked a lot. It was because I was excited about the book. And I do talk a lot when I'm excited. And I wanted to make sure to get a good arc in there. And basically, the, 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 the impulse was to get engaged. And if you enjoyed some of that information and the nice narrative of it and the history of it, buy Dale's book. It came from something awful to get the full story. And that's that's really what the plan was outside of talking to the man that that did the research, did the journalism. But it's also, you know, we only went so deep and, you know, it is illuminated in that book. The entire history of the army of unfuckable hate nerds, but also just the place that fantasy plays, you know, in the minds of younger people, uh, some ill-equipped to deal. Oh, that was another email. I wanted to read. Hold on. And I think this is important. And I had, I don't know that I thought about it or framed it like this, but I, I, I do think this is pertinent as, as well. And, and I think it is worth reading. Uh, subject line, Dale Baran podcast. Hi, I'm listening to your podcast. Fascinating and terrifying. I have a son who fits the profile to a T of an otaku hikakomori. Something you both didn't really address is that there is not always a lot of anger with this group. In my son's case, he is painfully shy and lacks social skills. He's not angry. He is paralyzed with fear and anxiety. It's easier for him to live in a fantasy world. He is also on the spectrum. Many of these kids are likely on the autism Asperger's spectrum. I think an important message that is not addressed here is mental illness. There needs to be some sensitivity around this and not just focus on the hate and nihilism and anger. There is much more going on here. But thank you. I do look forward to reading the book. Thank you, Tanya. So that, I, I, think that's, I think that's right. I, I, I think that that was not something that was not where my brain was thinking. Obviously, we were characterizing this generation of people in a certain way, uh, you know, in terms of uh, social being socially uh, ostracized or, or, or nihilistically compelled by their own, uh, you know, community orientation towards uh, um, the futility of the modern world, 
if that sentence made any sense. But I do think, obviously, Tanya is correct in that there is clearly, in a lot of cases, mental illness, and there are some, you know, benefits in terms of 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 how fantasy works. Like my my nephew is is a, a good example. He's he's a pretty nerdy kid. He has some issues. And he spends time, a lot of time, you know, in the gaming world and also in uh, some fantasy, um, you know, platforms or boards where he engages with people. And it seems to be a fairly fun, safe, sociable way. It's got him out in the world a bit, meeting with people who enjoy uh, making up, um, you know, animals and uh, dressing up as things in, you know, in a seemingly innocent and communal way. And uh, it's it's helped him a great deal in terms of meeting people. So, yeah, I guess the framing of how how we were talking about it was pretty awful and uh, and 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 frightening. And but I, I do think that this is right. Subject line clarity at last, dear Mark. I've never had clarity about my seven year friendship that recently evolved into a failed three month relationship until I heard your podcast today with Dale Baran. Jay is the textbook example of the hate nerd army's transition over time. In his case, a mutation from a gregarious libertarian leaning nerdy college student to right wing spouting white guy mad at the establishment for keeping him down, fucking miserable at his job. The pseudo intellectual alpha male nonsense, the need to self-medicate with pot daily just to deal with reality, the inability to leave the fantasy world behind for even one day. All of that really hit home for me. It explains so much about his stunted emotional maturity, his inability to empathize and his ultimate refusal to come to terms with his feelings for any of the women in his life. He is the product of parents who had no idea what their kid was doing, spending so much time in their room on the internet. I can't imagine I'm alone in this revelation. And to be honest, I'm kind of grateful for the company. Thanks again, V. That Thank you for sharing this. I think this is an important side of it that, yeah, of course, there's more people out there like you. Of course. You know, talking about the nerd thing, about my own nerd. I've had to question my own nerdism uh, recently because I've been, you know, after being a little bit hard on the nerd community, I'm going to use that word because they use it. And I'll say this in, not in a bad way. In the nerd communities, the several different, the, the nerd tribes, there are several nerd tribes of all different kinds. They may all fall under the broader umbrella of nerd, but, you know, there are more powerful, you know, nerd tribes than others. And, some of them are very specific. But I mean, the question is the the nerd fan, you know, am I one of them? And the last show, I, I argued that I'm not because of my lack of follow through, which I still believe is true because a couple of people pointed out my record obsession and then some people pointed out how I talk about guitars. Now, I understand that, but you got you people who are saying that are clearly not real record nerds because a real record nerd would know that I'm kind of a fucking amateur record nerd and a real guitar nerd would definitely know that I'm way not a guitar nerd. I know a few things about a few instruments. I don't know nothing about pedals. I don't know nothing about amps. I know the things that I have and like same with records. I buy things that I like and want to learn about uh, but it's really sort of a learning process. It's not a collector uh, obsession. It's not a completist obsession. 
I am sort of a completist with things. Like if I like a band, I have been known in the past to buy all of their recorded stuff. But the reason I think I'm not fundamentally uh, on the nerd spectrum is because it all kind of wears off, man. It wears out for me. You know, I was pretty nerdy about cast iron pants for a while. It passed. The boots thing. I was pretty nerdy about boots. No more. I had. I was pretty kind of weirdly obsessive about you know pants, uh, jeans. That's gone. Uh, you know, and the the record thing is starting to. It's starting to 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 sort of slow down and make me reflect and want to get rid of some of them. It just it never sticks. It's not a lifelong commitment. And I think to really be truly a, a nerd and i'm saying this in a good way not a bad way i'm using the the word in a proactive way it has to be a lifelong engagement that does not relent until you're too old and tired to do it it's a commitment it's a grounding element whatever your particular obsessive interest is I just don't think I'm quite that. I don't have the focus and I'm too much of a searcher in some ways. You know, if it doesn't work after a couple of years, I'm moving on. If it's not still filling the, the widening gyre inside of me, the Falcon has lost touch with the Falconer. Oh, I just watched this uh, Danny, um, Danny Houston movie called The Last Photograph. I'm going to talk to him next week about that. Danny Houston, the actor and director, son of John Houston. Also next week, I'm going to talk to uh, Bruce Dern. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did do that. I, yeah, I did talk to Bruce Dern. Yes, I did. So listen, Edie Patterson is here. I love her. I also, for some reason, was not... Um, I was talking about uh, Danny McBride, but I was saying somebody else's name. Yeah, that happened a couple of times. And it took a couple of times for her to correct me out of politeness. So this is me talking to Edie Patterson about uh, The Righteous Gemstones, which she is a star of on HBO. New episode, Sunday nights. Uh, I love her. And I got to talk to her. And here it is. How's that feel? That Can you feels see me? Good. I think maybe these stay on because I have a, a giant head. I have a giant head. Has that been a liability for you? Have you been... Uh, you just know it? I just know it. And then... I've been to like Gorin Brothers or whatever. Oh, the I, hat place? The hat place. Yeah. And I figure out like, oh, wow, I'm an extra large at Gorin Brothers. Extra large <laughs> men's head? I mean, yeah, just, just a head. Seven, three eighths kind of deal? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Wow, that is a big head. Yeah. I have that head. Yeah. And there's a lot, there's a weird amount of hair on my head, but yeah. it's an, I just have a giant head. But the thing is, when I lose weight, I can see my big head. Like when I'm like I can <laughs> when I see pictures of myself and yeah. shit or on TV, I'm like that's not I look like a, a, a what is it a bobblehead, right? But I get hung up on it, but no one seems to notice. I get hung up a lot. Don't you ever do that? I mean, I'm watching myself on Glow, and I'm like, ah, I got a little skinny, and I don't know if like that expression's not right. Do you watch yourself act? Yeah, I do. Um, How's that go for you? It's weird. I would say like the first time at least. Yeah, I've got like full like yeah. um, horror movie fingers over my eyes and like because i it's the same stuff and like it takes me watching it once yeah 
to then watch it again and right. go, okay, let me watch actually what I was doing. Right, it's the first time I watch it like an asshole going like, oh, uh, my dark circle. It's like, yeah. I look weird. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. It's so shallow and lame and Yeah, but that's the surface. Face. Yeah, I hate it. And then you watch it again, you're like, nah, I'm all right. Yeah, and then I dig it. Yeah, and then the third time it's like, no, I'm a fucking genius. Look at me. I'm a genius. Holy shit. I had no idea. It took me three viewings. Yeah, I've got to watch myself two or three times. Mm-hmm. So where I ran into you in Highland Park at Cafe de Leche. I was very excited yeah, to see dude. you. It was like a couple of years ago. That made my year, man. <laughs> Come the, on. Honestly, <laughs> I was like, holy shit, Mark Marin knows who I am. I was excited. I was like, I yeah, know you. That was really nice. You're hilarious. It was? <laughs> yeah. And then now that was really only nice. It only took a couple of years to get you over here somehow. Yeah. How long have you been over there? At like at the end of 2013, we got oh, place. So you yeah, pretty new to pretty the Pretty new. To the, yeah. But you not were there that a long new. Time. Well, I mean, I was there in 2004, I guess. Yeah, okay. I started. Yeah. And then uh like and I I always liked it okay, but mm-hmm. I just got to the point where I wasn't really fixing my house. It you know, it wasn't getting any younger my house. Mm-hmm. Uh it was haunted. With oh. a lot of emotional, no, I haunted it. Oh. It's, it's not a previous. <laughs> it's not a not a previous owner haunting. It was just me and my life. There were different uh, different periods of my life haunting the place. So it just felt weird. Well, it's just heavy. It, I don't. All I know is I do not uh, miss it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the original garage was what it was, but like you know, after people came and they're like, "This is cool," and then they leave, I'm like, "It's falling apart." I don't. Yeah. I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. You came from Texas. Came from Texas in two thousand and thirteen. Um, I can't. Well, I got. I came here like mm, early two thousands. So let's walk through it then. Yeah, let's walk through. Let's it. do the thing because I yeah. think uh, you're very funny. I don't. You're one of those people, and I don't get this a lot. I don't know what it means. It's not a bad thing, but like I. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. <laughs> But I, I just connected with you immediately. I like got it. There was a, a rawness to it, and I'm like that that person. I understand. I don't know. Like I, you put it all out there, and I, you know, it's you know, it's not a crush, but you know what I mean. Well, dude, I'll take it because honestly, that's why it made my year when you talked to me because I was like, oh, dude, I get where he's coming from, and there's a like a rawness in what you do that I was like, oh my god, he sees me. <laughs> I think that was it. I, and I, you know, there's not many people I, you know, that happens with, but I'm always excited when it happens. I don't quite yeah. know what to do with it. I always, I, <laughs> I mean, I just, I champion those people. You know, like Bamford's another one. And oh there's a, man, yeah. I think I got a thing for people that can't help themselves but be that exude that. You know, there's like, yeah. there's nothing you're gonna do to stifle it. No, I. You know what? I, there's this. Uh, somebody gave me a coaster. Yeah. With this um, a helpful coaster. A helpful coaster uh-huh. with this Janis Joplin quote on it, and she's sort of she's another one. On it. She's another one. But yeah, the quote on it says, um, "If if something like I'm going to bastardize yeah. it a little bit, but it basically says like if I hold back, I'm no good." And I was wow. like, "Oh fuck, that's that's the stuff right there." Yeah, <laughs> I, but it's weird, but because. I mean, that is the stuff. And she is one of those people. I have felt that same thing where you're sort of, you watch her and you're like, wow, this is amazing, but I'm a little uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, I mean, that's my favorite stuff to watch too is like <laughs> stuff that's kind of cringy that you feel like yeah. kind of scared for the person. Yeah, like, yeah. But you know they're still in control of it. That's Kinda. my favorite yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how in control she was, but yeah. yeah but, but she was channeling for sure. Yeah, and they those people like her, like, 
you know, whatever we see, the, the, they got a lot of road miles in, those those people in the 60s that died young, like Hendrix. I mean, he was out yeah. there a lot. Uh-huh. I mean, they toured the fuck out of this uh-huh. country and the world. But anyway, um, so where, where'd you grow up in Texas? I grew up in Texas City. What is that? Where is it? Down by Galveston. It's Gal- oh, yeah. down by the water? Yep. Wow. Yeah, like 40 minutes from Houston, uh, but down by the water. But it's, the, by... it's the brown water. <laughs> yeah, no, not good yeah. water. No. Wait. That whole area down there, I've only driven through there once, yeah. and it wasn't great to me. It's it we- it's weird. Where yeah. I'm from is, I mean, I, I'm happy I grew up there, maybe yeah. who I am, but it's full of refineries. Right. And, uh, yeah, just a lot of machinery lot off of machinery. the highway. Yeah, it's one of those places that as you're driving in at night, it straight up looks like Star Wars. Right. Yeah. It's just lit giant machines, yep. tanks, yeah. pipes, yeah. things. <laughs> and uh, my, I always look and go like, are there people there right now? And when yeah. you drive at night, is there someone working? Yeah, that is there stuff? somebody like watching the... that flame <laughs> <laughs> that's burning chemicals into all of yeah. us? <laughs> is someone on top of the flame situation and they just let that go? <laughs> Do you have brothers and sister? We got one sister, yeah. She Older? Lives in Denver, younger. Yeah? Yeah, she lives in Denver with her dude and they, they're super into mountain climbing and healthy people. They're Colorado. They're, uh... Yeah, they're just kind of badasses. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the there's a fitness kind of there's a, a kind of um, a very uh, focused, seemingly enlightened bunch of fitness driven white people <laughs> in, in Colorado that you're sort of like, is this a Christian thing or is this just a fitness thing? There's is I would say theirs is neither, but okay. I know that thing you're talking about. <laughs> I can't tell if I should be scared here. Yeah, or that these people are good people that yeah. are just in shape. And are they going to change me? Yeah, yeah. And then there's a whole other contingent of just shit faced weed smokers. Mm-hmm. I've worked in Denver, man. Denver is like because of the altitude, it's just a shit show at night. You're just there's just people falling in the streets. Yeah, dude. I've I've been a visitor um, twice, yeah. and I don't feel good when I'm there. <laughs> I don't. I feel like the altitude like messes me up mentally. Oh yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Your brain gets fucked. You, yeah. your, your your brain farts and you can't think of words. And you know you have moments where you're like, I can't talk right. Totally. It's or I would worst. have these weird moments of like, Am I sad? Why do I feel sad? Well, that's every day. For yeah. Me. Well, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> what is this feeling I have? Is it a good one? I don't think it is a good one. Maybe it is a good one. I'm just not used to it. Mine, mine are usually later. If it's if it's the sads, it's usually like later. I go, oh fuck, I was pretty depressed that month. Yeah. But when I'm in it, I'm just like going. Well, yeah, because I I'm one of those people where it's sort of I, I think I've gotten so used to. I don't think I'm depressed. I think I'm anxious. But yeah. I don't know. Like when they told me I got this vaccine yesterday, and she's like, um, it's going to hurt. You might need to take some aspirin. I'm like, but how much could it hurt? <laughs> Do you, you know what I mean? I mean, because I and then it, I'm not going to take aspirin for this, but I, yeah. I think my pain threshold's different. Got like it. Uh, whether it's depression or what, like I'm, yeah. I can live with it totally. Yeah, because I just I, I I rationalize it sort of like I I think this is the appropriate feeling. Yes, <laughs> I'm not suicidal, but things aren't great. And, and uh, this this will end at some point. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So are you a depressive person? Mm, I would say I weirdly. Yeah. When I was in the fifth grade, I yeah. don't know what this was. Yeah. I went through an ab- adult depression that I really? didn't tell anyone about. In the fifth grade? In the fifth grade. How old were we in fifth grade? 11? What, 11, 12? Uh-huh. Something like that? Yeah. And I 
I used to, I still read, but I used to read all the time. Yeah. And I think maybe I was reading things that were too adult. Yeah. Oh, really? Um, I don't remember exactly. What. Yeah, just like I remember reading a separate piece and reading Lord of the Flies and mm. something about- Well, that right there, Lord of the Flies, <laughs> I don't even know why they assigned that to kids. Seriously, yeah. it sent me into like an existential, like yeah. what is anything? I used to watch kids playing and go, how how do they do that? Oh, yeah. I don't understand what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. Um. They seem to yeah. be forcing it. That yeah, or I was like, how do they feel like they're here? <laughs> like, what is, <laughs> I mean, super existential weird. And thank God I've never had that again. Well, what, what did you tell your parents? I mean, did it just No, I told pass? them way later, years and years later. You just wrote it out? Yeah, I just wrote it, it out. I felt afraid to tell them. Yeah, and then Because I didn't understand. And sixth grade came and you're like, I'm okay. Yeah, I had this, I had this weird methodology. I mean, this is going to sound so insane, but I used to like- do mantras in my head of things that I knew were real, mm-hmm. like my bike. I had a Kuahara, dirt, right. like a BMX bike, yeah. and I used to say like Kuahara in my head because I knew that was a real thing. I and mean, this is so fucked up. <laughs> no, it's not. It makes perfect. <laughs> but I would sense. go like, yeah, okay, that's in the world. I know what that is. Right, because you got lost in your head. Yeah, and I would like having the radio on was radio on was helpful because I would yeah. feel like okay people are alive in the world I, I this mi- is happening I miss that time because I don't I don't have the confidence that that exists anymore like it used to be like like when there were three channels mm-hmm. and you just like late at night we if you have to put the yeah you put the TV on you're like well someone's got to be in the control room so it's me and him oh, right now yeah yeah like, or, or live radio you're mm-hmm. like oh that guy's all right if I need totally. to call somebody I can call the radio guy yeah like they're okay they're up and they're they're living <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now I don't know. I don't know if anyone's operating anything. <laughs> so it makes me a little untethered. So you're growing up in Texas City. Yeah. And, and is your dad in the oil business? No, my dad's a plumber. Did he work on oil pipes? Uh, every, like every now and then <laughs> they'd have a, a contract at one of the refineries. Yeah. Um, They still do. My dad's retired, but... Uh, yeah, my uncle and my cousin still work at Patterson Plumbing, and they'll sometimes have Patterson a, Plumbing. That's right. In Texas City. Yeah, yeah man. Shout out. <laughs> Best dudes in town. <laughs> Plumbers are essential. Yeah, for sure. And it's I like, feel like I weirdly inherited some, I mean, he never taught me to be a plumber, mm-hmm. but there's sometimes stuff will happen in the house that I'm like, just let me look at it for a while. And I feel like I can figure it out because my dad's a plumber. Do you? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I, plumb, plumbing's dicey. It, it seems like it should be easy, but it's not. It's not. It's, it's sort of like, well, there's where the water comes from. And it just goes into all these pipes in the house. Yeah, and it's then, very complicated. Yeah, there's noises that happen. Yeah, they have there's to go air. for like complicated certifications all the time. Yeah, and, like, but it's essential. Yeah. And what'd your mom do? Teacher. Um, taught first and fourth grade her whole career. Really? Yeah. And you had your existential meltdown in fifth grade. I did. And you couldn't go to your mom, the teacher. <laughs> no, I just, well, I just didn't. I could have. She's yeah. very sweet. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds like you. I just didn't. I. It was weird. I used to also have this thing of, I don't know why I would get afraid to say certain things. Like if I, if I, if something happened when I was in school, like yeah. if I got sick or something and needed to call my mom to come get me or to tell her I was going home or something. Yeah. I'd get that weird, like, cry in my voice to talk to my mom on the phone from school. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I was just a fucking weird, sensitive kid. <laughs> That's it. That's why we know each other. But, but like, did the other kids think we, you were weird? Um, or were, were you able to sort no, of move through the different was, things? Yeah, I was able to move through it. There was a point where um, there was a little chunk of, like, maybe... 
somewhere sixth, seventh, yeah, eighth, ninth, where I felt for sure very different, right, than everyone else, yeah, and um. <laughs> had sort of pulled away from the friend group I was in. Were you and, doing like, was there a music, uh, was there a context to it? Did you uh, m- model yourself a I certain just, way? I just felt, um, I don't know, I just felt different. And I felt like I didn't want to be uh, mean to anyone. And I would see see people like be mean to anyone, yeah. mean to people or blow yeah. people off. or yeah. I just didn't want to be that. Yeah. So sometimes that equals like you have one friend for yeah. three years. Yeah, right. Shout right. out Michelle McClellan. <laughs> <laughs> What's she up to? <laughs> She's doing great. Oh, good. Yeah. You still keep in touch with people from fifth grade? No, no. No. I have I a couple friends so. I grew oh, up one, with. Yeah, one dude. Yeah. Scott Elfstrom. Yeah, yeah, he's still in, in the life. Yeah, I have a couple people that I've known since second grade. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I don't talk to them a lot, but I know them. Yeah. I grew up in Albuquerque. Yeah. Yeah, second grade, David Kleinfeld. He's wow. still he's still in the in the rotation. I haven't heard from I haven't heard from him recently. Yeah, this dude I don't talk to a bunch every yeah, now and then. Oddly he gets mad at me when I don't talk to him. Like oh. I've known him my whole life. We never talked that much oh. for, over the last twenty years, but if I do fall out of touch with him, he's like, What the fuck? And uh, I'm like, What do you mean? We yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm busy. <laughs> so are you doing any performing? Yeah. When did the awkwardness turn into look, I'm <laughs> yeah. entertaining. Yeah, that so yeah, that was a weird morphing of a couple of things. Like seventh grade, I think there was this thing called um, Class Day, and uh, it was just a big variety show. And me and three other girls wrote uh, like a dating game parody because there was a channel, I think Channel Thirty Nine showed or Channel Twenty showed the old showed dating game or reruns. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we didn't have cable, but we had like. The main channels and then three upper channels. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. There was only a few of them. Yeah, so um, they we did this dating game parody and we all wrote our own parts. And yeah. we three of us played the guys and there was one of us playing the girl who's uh-huh. picking from the guys. And there was a jock, a nerd. I was the nerd, and there was a like a businessman or something. So these are like the, the that kind of seventh grade perception of the uh, archetypes the, totally yeah, yeah. P- pocket protector right, right. glasses sure, like yeah, yeah. lame yeah but uh i noticed at that that everything i said was like really landing yeah like that thing where it's happening for the first time and you're like the laugh almost your arms are going dead because oh, you're yeah. like what the fuck is yeah. this yeah oh my god the power <laughs> the power <laughs> so that's when i really thought that's the first time i ever thought like Oh, maybe this could be my job. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Making people laugh. Yeah, because before that, I didn't know. I knew I liked that. I had always liked making my parents yeah, laugh. Yeah, and yeah. like. But I was kind of a shy little kid. Yeah. And then when we did that, I thought like, oh, right, this is my thing. And I'll make I'll make this into what I do. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then did plays all through high school and stuff. Yeah? And, and then, did, did the same thing happen? Were you mostly comic or comedic? Uh, that was or? everything. Yeah. It's, yeah. Musicals? So, yeah, that too. <laughs> I, I don't know why I get hung up. I ask everybody about musicals. Yeah, like, that's to me, funny. And I do. Because <laughs> yeah. like, I, to me, it was the scariest thing in the world. It still is oh, kind of really? scary, the singing oh, thing. I thought you could sing. I can sing, yeah. but I, I, I can't sing proudly. Mm. <laughs> Do you, you know what I mean? I can't remove myself. Like, I'm not going to be like, hello, uh-huh. you know, and like do a dance. Right. Like, when I sing, I'm usually playing guitar. I, I got my eyes half closed. Yep. It's just so I can do it. Yeah. Because it's not, I don't have a lot of control over it. But I always, yeah. I think I always envied people who could be like, uh, 
fabulous. It is, yeah, that is a weird next level thing. Yeah. Is that like. It'd be the showman singer. Where the you're showman just, singer. Like you're yeah. like the musical people. Totally. Where, where you're just sort of like unabashedly, you know, doing those numbers. Yeah, and so committed that you're yeah, like, this I, is real life. Yeah, I don't know like, how they do that. Whoa! I'm so terrified of it. I, I think I got to get over it, but I don't know if it's going to happen. I mean, right now I'm working on just playing with a small combo. I think that's the next step. Oh, for that's me. awesome. I'm, I don't think doing musicals is going to happen immediately. What if you like cover your face in some way like Sia does? <laughs> I wonder do if that musical? would help. No, just for your band. <laughs> no, I, I think I can handle the band thing. I, yeah. I'm just like, I'm working towards it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm working on finger picking now and I got a blood blister on my thumb. Pretty oh, proud. Oh man. Look at that. That's I awesome. Did some practicing. That's real deal. Yeah, yeah, I'm working it. So yeah. now do you have to lay off so it doesn't pop on your strings? No, I'm gonna keep doing it until it becomes a hard thing. Yeah. A man. built in pick. All right, so you're doing the you're doing all the plays. Are doing you popular now? Or are you hanging out with the drama nerdy people? I'm kinda hanging out with everybody in there. But you're not a I'm fucked kinda... up kid. You're not you know, like mm-hmm. really? real a real good kid. Oh yeah. Real good grades. Uh huh. No drugs, huh. no drinking. Oh, good Very for you. good. You avoided it. Yeah, I avoided it. I wanted to be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, I guess my parents instilled something in me where I was. Sounds like you have good. pretty nice parents. Yeah, I do have nice parents. Yeah. Um, but th- I I would say, like, I was doing okay. I My friends in uh, drama were, my main friends in drama were, like, uh, weirdly, you wouldn't think of this as being, like, the dudes in drama, but my main friends were like these metal dudes. No, that makes sense. That did plays and like were obsessed with Monty Python and all had long hair. And were yeah, like... the the metal nerds. Yeah, Python guys. Yeah, I love. They those play D and D too. Maybe. Yep. Oh, oh, for yeah. sure they did. Yeah, so that's and a they specific... used to ask me and I never went. <laughs> that's a certain type of metal dude. That's yep. not the sort of like you know we're going to do crank metal dude. Right. That's the, the sort of heightened smart metal dude. Totally. Yeah, oh, I hung out those with those are... smart metal dudes. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, like. The summer before my 11th grade year, I went to visit um, my friend, I'm not my friend, my friend and my cousin, Jamie, Yeah. in Corsicana, Texas. And she's like, I don't know, she just always like, from the time she was little, it was really cool. Like, every word kind of blends together. And she's like, got full confidence. Like, kind of like, uh, what I found the, out. The rest of the interview in that voice. Yeah, as Jamie. <laughs> yeah. But like, even as a little kid, before she even knew she was gay. She had like almost like lesbian swagger. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like she was always fascinating to me because I was like, how how are you that confident? Like, yeah. what is this? <laughs> so I was at her house. We were hanging out and we were making like. Um, is it in high school? Uh, yeah. Like the summer after 10th grade. Yeah. We were making um, tapes yeah. of uh, like fake talk shows. Right. Where we would have a fake call in show where people would call in with their problems yeah. and we would do all the voices. <laughs> And then I noticed, like, in between, she would just call people on the phone and just be like, what's up? What are y'all doing tonight? And I was like, whoa! <laughs> and just, like, something would happen. She'd go to some party or, like, yeah. she had Hang all these friends. Yeah. I was like, oh, fuck, that's awesome. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be that. Yeah. I'm going to act like her, my version of her. Yeah. And just see what happens. And I came back and I did it and it worked. <laughs> And then, like, 11th grade and 12th grade, I was class favorite. Like, I was just pretending to be my cousin. <laughs> but mainly I was just, like, faking it until it felt right. Yeah, I was, you, took, you, you got a tool, a Yeah, I got a tool. tool. Of like, I was like, oh, that's how you do it? Like, you just call people? You just call people? <laughs> like, you just talk to them? 
Oh, wow. You just talk to you, want to talk to you, and you just laugh with them? It's so funny how fucking uncomfortable we are in high school. And and sometimes, like, the only difference between, you know, like, the cool people and the not cool people is just that. It's just totally. this weird fake confidence to yep. be like, come on, let's go do the thing. Uh, it's all it is. My problem is I was sort of desperate. I'm like, you guys, are we going out? <laughs> are we, what are you guys doing? Were you when the you- guy who would plan it all? No, but no. like I lived further away because I was lying about my address, and I had oh. these guys that I really wanted to be friends with. This mm-hmm. is the story of my life, and it, like I've been lo- thinking about it lately about certain pat- behavior patterns. Yeah, where because I guess I was sort of uncomfortable, and I would see people that like they seem to have it together, like they seem fun or whatever, and then I would just pester them until you know I could hang out. <laughs> <laughs> and. <laughs> And was it people you had a connection with or you just thought- I I eventually did. I just, I feel like uh, ultimately I was just sort of missing a chunk Mm -hmm. of some sort of uh, personality thing and I just wanted to be part of whatever that was. Got it. You know? Yeah. And then uh, it it was always sort of an annoying thing, but I didn't really know how to make friends otherwise. Yeah. Because I'm very intense, very thinky. Mm -hmm. You know, I I guess I was high maintenance, but like it was one of those things where I live far away and I make plans. Sometimes they wouldn't show up. That was the saddest thing. Waiting at the end of the driveway, all all dressed up in my my shoes and my Calvins or whatever. Man, there's nothing like that to just like- Ooh, I had that happen once years and years ago in L.A. with a friend that I really love still. And, like, she just forgot we had plans. And And you were all ready to go? immediately shoots you back to, like, whatever age you were when you last felt, like, embarrassed or alone. And you're like, what am I doing? What the actual fuck is this? (laughs) Oh, God. And you fester about in your head, and then it turns out they just forgot. You you build a whole story around it. Totally, you build a whole story around, like, Oh well, cool. I guess yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I guess I'm not cool enough to hang out with it. Right, like, right. And then oh, they're just sort of like, oh, I just forgot. And you're like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, fucking idiot. <laughs> went back to high school. All right. So now you're cool. Eleventh, twelfth grade, king of the, or queen of the school. Well, the the cool thing was is that I still was friends with everybody. Like I still had my net, metal nerd friends, and I still had like. Uh, you know all the drama friends and like so you figured football out, friends as and a funny person friends. sensitive person it's sort of what i evolved into it's sort of like you can get along with everybody totally yeah yeah because yeah. you're you know you're not committed to an outfit no. or to a, a music ideology yeah she's kind of like what's your funny person yeah i was like the add-on like if the um <laughs> if the drill team went out yeah. and we're gonna wrap houses yeah. i was like the one that went yeah. even though i wasn't on the drill team yeah because you know what you're I mean? fun yeah because i like what's we would wrap laugh. houses Toilet paper houses. Oh, uh, you yeah. say that like, the yeah. one time I the one time that um, how yeah. many times did you do that? Uh, probably, probably two or three. But like the one, the one f- most fun time was the worst because like they called the cops and then like my dad was so mad. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was awful. Well, you, well, you could have been worse. Oh, it could have been so worse. I mean, that's probably why I wanted to be good. It's because I did not want like if anyone you got that to be mad, mad at me. Yeah, <laughs> if you got that mad at me putting toilet, toilet paper, paper on a house, yeah. <laughs> So what? Uh, so when do you decide? Like I'm going to dedicate. I'm going to commit my life to. Uh, <laughs> was it acting? Is that what you were thinking? Yeah, for a minute I thought I'm going to be um, an actress, and I'm also going to be uh, an artist. Which Meaning, kind? A, um, you know, what do you do? D- I thought I would also like draw and paint. Oh, did you draw and paint? I d- well, I started college going like I'm going to double major yeah. in art and. 
get a BFA in acting and yeah. then you go to your first like art class and they go like, okay, and now the, I don't even know what it's called after the lab or whatever, right. but every art class has like a five hour thing attached right, to it right. where you actually go and, and do paint. art. Yeah. And I was like, whew, <laughs> anybody got time for that? <laughs> so then I became a single major, <laughs> like within the first two weeks. <laughs> you dropped it right away. Right away. You just sitting there with an easel. Yeah. And, and a I bunch like, of other sort of introverted people yeah. that know what they're doing yeah. already. Yeah, seriously. And you're, you're kind of looking around going like, hey, you know. Yeah, I like to draw too. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't like it that much. <laughs> That's the worst feeling where you're like, you know, I'm just going to try this. And your parents encourage that shit. You should try it. And you get there and these people have been doing it their whole life. <laughs> You just feel like an asshole right away. You're like, no way. No way this is happening. Yeah. It just showed me what I liked better, for sure. Yeah. So where'd you where'd you go? I went to a place called Texas State. Where is I, that? It's in San Marcos, like half an hour from Austin. And uh, yeah, I just kind of went where I got the most Austin. scholarships and stuff because mm-hmm. we, we couldn't afford to like go anywhere fancy. So is it a small school? It's a big state school. Okay. Yeah. Is that, but that's not, University of Texas is in Austin? Yeah. Right. I like it there. Do you? Yeah, you know, I do. You mm-hmm. know, I call it the hipster Alamo. There's a few yeah. of these Alamo situations where you get to, <laughs> you're just surrounded by whatever the rest of it is. Yeah. No, but I, I, I do like it. It's gotten a little bit much as time goes on. Uh, yeah, I've it's noticed It's become a sort too. of a, a capital of what, I mean, it's, it's still cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I like uh, I like Texas. I mean, mm-hmm. I grew up you know New Me- next door to Texas, and I've grown yeah. to like it. I mean, there's there's decent people all over. Yeah, and there's even some decent people that are actually shitty people. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. So <laughs> <laughs> a lot of decent shitty people around, and you know it's hard to reconcile. But you know, Texas d- does. Yeah, God, that's a that is a weird thing. There are a lot of decent shitty people. Yeah, they're just they're just they're good people, but they're mind fucked in one way. And you're right. Like, That's you know I don't know what to do with that. And yeah. Then you have to make decisions. <laughs> totally. And I guess all you can do is just keep digging and going like, oh, let me just dig again and find that decent part of you. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The politeness thing, and then but yeah, but some people are good people. They're just a little. Like, but who am I to judge? I can judge. I can. Judge. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I mean, there are some people that's sort of like that's some wrong minded <laughs> shit. You seem like a very nice person. Yeah, but that, that's that part. Yeah. So you just study the acting. Are you do? Do you do stand up? I've always done uh, improv and sketch, but have never done stand up. And did you start doing that that stuff in college? Mm-hmm. I started doing. Well, I mean, improv. outside of the 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 uh, cassette tape work you did with the lesbian <laughs> <laughs> and the dating game. <laughs> Those were early sketch Great endeavors. distillation. Yeah. <laughs> the cassette tape work with the lesbian. <laughs> Which we'd all love to hear. Do you have it digitized? Because I think- it'd be... I don't know. Maybe. I'll ask Jamie. She really might. She really might. You still friends with Jamie? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. We're homies for sure. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So so what's the what's sort of curriculum over there at, uh, the te- at the university? What do you get to do? Um, what, what's the training? It's all, you know, all the regular acting stuff, but you also have to do like, I don't know, lighting and. Oh, right. So it's I more. I know. Theater, I always thought that was so. Or, or dumb. was it geared towards theater? Yeah, it was definitely geared towards theater. We had one, in my opinion, the best teacher that we had there was this dude, um, Larry Hovis, mm-hmm. who played Carter on Hogan's Heroes. I remember that guy. Yeah. The blonde guy. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. What was his? Wasn't he the fix it guy in Hogan's Heroes? Didn't he have a specific role? They all sort of represented something. What yeah, I feel he? like he was like a mechanic. Yeah, or something. something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He could you know come up with the device, the totally. gadget. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, oh, he was the guy. He was he was the one that I think was the best one for sure. But like, Larry Hovis by laps. But isn't that interesting though? Like there are those people, you know, these these Hollywood people mm-hmm. that had lives, and then this is how I frame it now, and then had the courage yeah. to leave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you know, and then you know, stay in it somehow. My buddy Craig mm-hmm. Anton, who was a great mm-hmm. comic actor. Like he went, he just realized like, you know, this isn't going to be a life, uh-huh. you know, and, and he's got to think about the future. Went to grad school, got his like doctorate, I think, in, in acting and teaching. Yeah. And now he's uh, teaching at a college in yeah. Georgia. It's yeah, like, it's I, I have such respect for that. It's awesome. Because, you know, you're helping people. You get the joy of of, of turning young people on in, in this world that's important mm-hmm. and seeing them create. And you're not just this self-involved freak. Totally. Who's like, you know, hope, waiting for someone else to make you something. Right. And you're not gripping anymore. Like, he just felt chill. And I don't know why he came to Texas. I, I have no idea why. Probably from but there, he, no? Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, but he, I like know. he was. Did you know him from Hogan's Heroes? Did he, did I didn't he... know till he told us. Like, yeah, um, maybe you know me. I mean, how does that work? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it was more just like a whisper network uh-huh. of like, did you know Larry was on this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was an old guy by the time he got to us. Yeah, but, um, good teacher though. I mean, so good. The only, the only like one who sort of. Actually, you know what? There was another yeah. dude who I never had. Uh, this actor, G. W. Bailey. He was yeah. also awesome. But I never had him for more than like a day, yeah. you know. But they were the dudes who like actually did it and knew what it was like. Mm-hmm. And his class was a TV film acting class. Hovis, and, um, yeah. Oh, so you had one of those because a lot of these, a lot of the the loftier institutions don't do any film. Totally, and that I mean that's all any of us wanted, really. Yeah, you know, not everybody, but right. But he he would sort of famously say things to you that you were like wait, what? That would sort of piss you off. And then years later you go, oh my God. Like what? Like he, <laughs> I remember once he told me, he was like, you know what? You've got like, what you have is a like a throwback thing. It's like a Rosalind Russell thing. And I was like in my head, in my like 19 year old head. You have to go look up Rosalind yeah, Russell? Yeah, I was like, who the fuck is that? Yeah. I was mad. Yeah. And then I like found out she's from black and white movies yeah. and I was pissed off. And then years later, it took me years to like watch some of her movies because I think I was just like, I'm not that, I'm not that. Yeah. And then I watched it. And she's the greatest thing ever. She's just and she's kind of off the rails and like she's kind of a wild card. And I'm like, it's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. And I was so mad at him for it. But he would tell people things like he told one friend of mine like, look, no one's gonna understand you until you're like in your 30s. And she was like, what the fuck? <laughs> You know, because she's standing there, she's 20 or whatever. Yeah, it's the worst. And yeah. he was, like, exactly right. Really? She's always has had, like, an old soul thing. Uh-huh. And, like, people started to really understand her later. And, like, yeah, it's he wild. just knew stuff. I talked to Bruce Dern, and I haven't heard these kind of stories. This seems to be a new thing. Bruce Dern, he's great. He's singular. Yeah. But, you know, he was, you know, he got, he was in the actor's, uh, I think the actor's studio in New York early on. And mm-hmm. when in the 50s. And he had been a, a, a runner. Uh, uh-huh. Like he he went to the Olympics. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. And Ilya Kazan took a liking to him, mm-hmm. and you know he's training at the actor studio because they think you know he's raw and they wanted to really make him into something. But Kazan says, um, "You're never going to be a leading man." And and Dern's like, I'm, I'm 25. Why would she tell me yeah, that? Yeah, God. And, and Kazan goes, because you're a runner. And he's like, I don't run anymore. He goes, but you have persistence. 
you know, endurance. Wow. You have, you have endurance. That was wow. It. So like how you frame that as a 25-year-old, like what does that mean? It sounds horrible. Endurance. It sounds horrible. But he like, you know, he realizes that, you know, it, if you look back at his career, that was it. He also told him he'd be, I don't know if it was the fifth or the seventh. He said, you're going to be the fifth cowboy on the right. <gasps> oh, that's so, brutal. Right. Yeah. But it, but it was sort of to encourage him to make it, you know, to make sure you stand out. Yeah. And he certainly does. Yeah. But it's weird. It's hard to hear that kind of shit when it you're is, younger. It is, because you don't I'm know, you don't know it's cooler to be the runner. Yeah. You don't know. At that age, you're like, well, or what it leading means. man is the best thing. Yeah, Why right, would you say I'm not the best thing? Right. It yeah, is but cooler you don't to know, be like, the runner. Oh, it's way cooler to be the runner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah because you can keep doing that. Yeah, and you can keep being different. Leading men just eventually buckle and crumble. You know, everyone's going to get old. Yeah, and it's so dependent on like better do that same thing again right yeah you know? and then you and then next thing you know you're you're uh you're william holden in the in the wild bunch and in network <laughs> that, but that was a, a good story you yeah. know like i mean yeah. he was a huge leading man and then he played these kind of like flawed mm-hmm. old dudes mm-hmm. i don't know i it, when you it's it's sort of nice to have access to a guy that because those tv actors from that era it was still sort of the studio system. All those people were still around. All the lots still uh-huh. existed. It was still a small community. So, like, he probably had met Rosalind Russell at some point. Right. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> so he like he gave you like you just liked the guy. You just he just had yeah, he he, ch- he was matter of fact. He, he was, was re- matter of fact. He was chill. He yeah. was funny. Yeah. Um. He didn't seem to be trying. Which yeah. I. In the moment, I knew I liked that, but I didn't know how to articulate that. And then, like, as my life goes on, I'm like, oh, God, it's the key to everything is to allow instead of to try. Oh, man. I just, yeah, I'm getting hit with that now. Yeah? Yeah. It's it's a biggie. I don't know if I ever really thought about it that way. Because, like, my instinct is to, you know, to, like, out of anxiety mm-hmm. to kind of, like. Sure. Like, I did it yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it fucking pissed me off. With what? I was on Conan, you mm-hmm. know, and I'd done Conan a million times, and we have a dynamic that goes back like 25 years, you yeah. know, and, but I'm really not quite that guy anymore in my life and stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you're in that dynamic, I felt it happening again. I walked out of it going like, why did I drop back into that? Right. Y- you know, like I started to realize that like I'm not desperate anymore. Right. But the business is very desperate. Mm-hmm. All these shows that you do. You know, not, you know, not, I'm not saying like the shows you're on, but talk shows or that kind of stuff. Yeah. They're all just sort of like, come on, would you, you're, look at it, stay right. here, don't change it. You know, we got, and I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not, you're entering a desperate environment. Totally. You know what? I was thinking about this because I was listening to, um, I was listening to you with Stephen Root yesterday and you were talking about that. You were like, I'm going to go do that. Yeah. Um, I don't feel stressed out. I don't even know what yeah. I'm wearing. It's going to be what it's going to be. And I, I literally was on a run listening to it and out loud going, yes. Oh, yes. That was for Corden probably? Was that yeah, that it? was for Corden. Not great. <laughs> <laughs> because, man, it is, it's the ideal mindset. But, yeah, when you're around the thing where everyone else feels like it should be pressury and trying – it's hard to convince your brain, like, oh wait, I know better than this right yeah, now. Yeah, there's no, but there's no breathing room, and that's just the way it is. And I know that, and I can do those things. But with yeah. Corden, yeah, I just kind of, I was loose. Mm-hmm. But then you get out there, and there's this like, you know, before you go on, they're doing, you know, human bar tricks. So they got someone <laughs> blowing, yeah, blowing milk out of their tear duct, yeah. and then they got someone juggling, and then let's bring our guests on. I'm like, oh god, oh my and god. Then, and there's two of you sitting there, and you're trying to be casual, but there's right. no way. And I'm so used to doing this, right? And they they. 
don't. There's no way in their minds they believe or can do. Even Conan now with his new format, where it's just kind of like you're just hanging out. Yeah. You can't. There's no way to execute a real conversation. So, so the trick of it is, how do you compress? You know who you are, and like, it's very even in acting, it's hard for me because like I'm waiting. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a whole lifetime of like, ah, let's do it, mm-hmm. and like it takes a couple takes. You know, so when yeah. I get out there, usually I'm like, Bruh! and then it's sort of like, oh, okay, all right, that was now that's out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did all this press for this movie and for Glow, and I'm like, I don't need to do it for a while. Yeah. Are you doing the shows? <clears throat> Are you doing Conan? Um, I'm doing my first one ever. Uh, in later in September. Um, That'll be fun. Doing Seth Meyers, yeah. Oh, really? I've heard it's a good first one. No, it's great because, yeah. it, you know, he's like, he does his, like, he's a very interesting guy because at first I was sort of like, what's he going to do? But he's very kind of grounded mm-hmm. and he's pretty effortless mm-hmm. with uh, with funny, but he's not all about funny. Yeah, I like that he seems to actually look in someone's eyes. Yeah, no, he's you great. Know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. That'll be fun. Yeah. How come you're not doing the other ones? Well, that's my first one I've ever done, and uh, I think I think most of them have a thing of like, well, once oh, she's done do one, it. then then we'll, we'll do. take a look at her. Yeah, totally. So I think that'll. Open and then up the whatever. ones that are in the same time slot, they they're gonna be mad. Sure. Yeah, like if you do Fallon, you got to yeah. choose. You can do Fallon, Colbert, or or Kimmel. Right. And if you do one, then you gotta wait a year, yeah. six months. That's whatever. what I've been being explained about. And it's, it's crazy. Like, oh wow, interesting. It's just crazy though. <laughs> yeah. Like there's not enough people. That you can't like you, like you can't. <laughs> no, I mean like you can't really. You can't put someone on that. You just do right. a different thing. Anyway, yeah. doesn't matter. But yeah, I I think I'll probably do a couple more. the The season of the show just started. Um, I a watched days all ago. of them. Oh, you did. You, did. Well, you watched the first six, probably. The first six. Great. There's How many are there? Nine. There's nine. And wowie, wowie, do they get intense in those last? Well, few yeah, months. I want to get to that. So, like, so okay, so you hang around. What you move to Austin? What do you do after college? When does it? You know, when do you like go? I'm going to. The, um, I'm going to the Hollywood. Yeah, I wasn't in Austin very long. Just a minute, and then I, I kind of always knew you have to move to one of the places to do it as your job. Mm-hmm. And New so, York or L.A. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I moved to L.A. in like 2001, I think. Wow. Yeah. You've been out here a while. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just started immediately doing stuff, um, improvising with uh, uh, Impro Theater, which yeah. we now do like uh, full-length improvised plays. Oh, yeah? Like the Broad Stage and places right, like right. that with oh. um, sets and costumes and stuff. But, wow. Uh, so we'll do certain styles. We'll do a run of like Jane Austen unscripted or we'll right. do Twilight Zone unscripted. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we'll get a suggestion and do an hour and a half play. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. I think you would dig it because it's not, uh, it's very story and acting based. Yeah. It's inherently funny because it's it's, it's asinine improv- to make up right. a play. But uh Everyone's just meaning what they say and trying to make a good story happen. That's great. So, and, it, yeah. and, and sometimes it works and sometimes it's hit or miss or how's it go? I mean, usually you nail it. Luckily, it almost always works. And I think it's because well, you there's know, you a weird ESP funny. with that. Sure. Yeah. And you can always like, I don't know. I think that ultimately always the truth is the funniest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if you just know what your character is and you stay in it. You don't know what your character is until the play starts because nothing's right. set. But yeah, I mean, I just improvised a movie and I love it. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but I sort of trust. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I awesome. mean, it, it, because there's something about improvising that is real. 
totally. in the moment. So the whole flow of it feels different. Totally. And if you know, like, I mean, I'm sure you felt this. If you know well, who that guy is that yeah. you're playing, yeah. you could kind of go forever. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah. And and also that you know you have the story structure, mm-hmm. but you kind of can just move through it, and it's, and you go deeper with the guy as as it goes along because mm-hmm. you don't you get to know him almost. Yeah. 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 Th- that's the greatest when you say something and you go. Oh, I guess that's who he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I guess yeah. that, I guess okay I have that trait. Him, him being that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you came out here in 2001, and you were just you. Did you have a an in, or did you do? Did you just sort of like, Mm-mm. I'm here now. What? Yeah, I had two friends who lived here. Yeah. Uh, my friend Kendra and my friend Christy, and I stayed on their couch for a month. Yeah. In Burbank, and then we got a place. Perfect. Uh, in Studio City. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear McGuire's story about coming out here on here? Did you hear me talk to Danny? Um, it's insane. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> it's insane. And then, yeah, there was a chunk of time where he was back and yeah, bartending yeah, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, yeah it's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, and then we got a place in Studio City and then we had a weird like house in Studio City that four of us lived in that we would have. I, I don't even know how it happened, mm-hmm. but we would inv- each of us would invite everyone we knew. We would have a party and invite everyone we knew. So I would invite Everyone I'd ever met in any improv class ever. Uh, my friend Kendra was like uh, cocktail waitressing. So there would be like giant, <laughs> giant amounts of people yeah. from like, yeah. I forget. I think she was working at either the Ice House or the Comedy Store. Oh, or really? Yeah. Um, the other two would invite. And so we would have these giant like 90s movie style um, parties. Yeah. Where like it was wall to wall in this weird house. I've been to those, yeah. Yeah, I don't even understand how it happened. And there'd be like know? one celebrity there, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, like, but it you would just be see the one celebrity head. Like how? Who knows that guy? <laughs> but it would be yeah. like something weird. Like right, right. This guy was never at our party, but I remember we saw him somewhere once. The guy who played Mr. Belding from Saved by the Bell. It would be oh, like that. Yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> once at a party where it was all packed out, and then, and I just saw John C. Riley's head. And I'm like, oh. What's that guy? It was years ago. It was, I think it was like Dave Cross's house or yeah. somebody in West Field. Oh, like, man. But yeah, I lived with them and was improvising and doing stuff. And I, right when I moved here, I also started at the Groundlings and then was working my way up through there. And Did you do that? Yeah, I'm in that main company. Now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're a Groundling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. So you, you started, uh, so you're doing the improv, the other thing, but you got into the Groundlings. You knew that was a thing. Yeah, I I think I knew that was a thing, like, maybe from high school, just yeah. from online, you know, looking at I didn't stuff. realize that. So you went through the whole thing, the whole process? Yeah, you got to go through all the stuff and Who's a, who were, get voted on. And Well, I don't know what generation are you, like, who I, was in your troop? So my generation is, uh, like, my sort of senior group yeah. when I was in the Sunday company before I became a groundling were... Uh, me and my pal Drew Drogi and my pal Mikey Day, who's at oh, SNL Mikey Day. right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He's good. Now, yeah. were you ever looked at for SNL? Yeah, I went and tested in like, maybe like, it was either two, maybe 2009 or something like that. Good experience? Bad? Oh, like so weird. Yeah, it's Because I found out like a day and a half before. Oh. And everyone else knew they were going like two weeks ahead of time. Yeah, and so, so you it was had that to weird thing of like characters together and yeah, which I had a ton of, but I was like writing on the plane. Yeah, and then like trying to memorize in a hotel room yeah. and like yeah, it was just very very weird. And then I went and guest wrote. They came to like a showcase. Yeah, later, and I went and guest wrote. Um, 
I don't know when that was, maybe like 2015, whatever Seth's last year as a head writer was. Uh-huh. I did like a two-week thing um, and got something on both weeks, which yeah. was cool because I felt like I got to have the whole experience yeah. of like a and, live thing. But they thing didn't keep you or thing. how'd that go? Well, they they called back a few times yeah. to like check my availability. Right. But one of the times I was um, still under contract, I think, to this uh, the sitcom I had done with Kelsey Grammer, Martin Lawrence. Which one was that? It was called Partners. Yeah. <laughs> it was the last of those um, weird 1090 things. Yeah. Where they would do 10 episodes instead of a pilot. And then they would go like, well, if this goes, we'll make 90 of them. Yeah. It was that thing. Oh, 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 the syndicated weird. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we just did 10 of them, but they I think we were Thank still God. waiting to know what happened with that. And then the next time- That's I was the worst doing... feeling, though, to be stuck in something that you just took, be, you, you know, and then you have this one, the other thing that you really <laughs> want to do, and it's like holding you- Well, it was weird, because I just felt, I had such a strong feeling of like, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Um, you do. Yeah. Well, sometimes I do. Sometimes yeah. I don't. Yeah, because then it's like, well, this is a bad reason. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you feel <laughs> that. The second time they called to check my avail, I was doing the second season of Vice Principals, and that I was like, oh, fuck, does everything happen for a reason? Because I was so happy doing that. Vice Principals? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Thanks, man. That's great. Yeah. So you're like, fuck SNL. <laughs> I don't know if I was like fuck SNL, but I felt like, oh that that's fine. I'm I'm happy. I'm so happy doing what I'm doing. You don't need to. That's great. Yeah, because you know after a time and after you know you've had some experience and you seem to have done a lot of episodic work and everything else. Like mm-hmm. you were no stranger to it. That you know entering the SNL world is its own thing. Yeah, and it's, it's a whole not. Other it's thing. not. It's not always a great experience for sure. people. And you're sort of at the whim of you know, Lauren and whatever the situation is, it could be, it could really work out or it could be horrible. It's a hyper competitive environment. Totally. And you're already doing this show where you can, you're you're taking comedy to a level they could never take it. And like you get, yeah, you get to do things on a show like that, that yeah, you would never get to do anywhere Anywhere. I mean, that show is like, it's almost incomprehensible. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Eastbound and Down was this, is another thing. They, it seems that that crew McGuire and uh, and what's the other guy's name? Green and and every, Jody Hill. Sorry, every time you say um, that, I'm pausing because I'm like, oh, is he talking about someone I don't know? Oh, it, who is it? No, but it's because when you say McGuire, I know you mean McBride. McBride, but oh, I'm I keep sorry. going like McBride, Danny <laughs> yeah, McBride. Yeah. I'm sorry, that, I'm an idiot. No, I'm so, I'm you, sorry if my should, eyes are sort of like you should you what? should correct me because <laughs> I'm old. Now I feel bad. No, I don't. McBride. <laughs> Now I'm going to have to put a correction in for the earlier mistake. Danny McBride. So it was McBride, Jody Hill, and what's the other guy's name? David Gordon Green. David Gordon Green. Mm-hmm. Because they like they seem to do with what, you, you know, like Breaking Bad or what, or what in the other show, like these sort of like um, groundbreaking shows that take the medium a different place with comedy, mm-hmm. where like you're seeing things that you've never seen before. There's situations where it's like, what the fuck is this? Where does this come from? Yeah. So it has no, it's its own context that yeah, totally. what they do. Oh man, I totally agree. So before we get to that though, how? so what do you do? You kick around, you get an agent, you're doing yep. the groundlings, and it looks like you did a lot of episodic stuff. Yeah, like, you know, just getting whatever I could. Yeah. You know? I had some really lame agents, and then um, I did, uh, I weirdly did this movie. I had done this uh, 
the sketch and improv show yeah. on and off for a year in Vegas. Yeah. Oh, really? Kind of what back and forth. This thing that uh, Rita Rudner and her husband produced <laughs> called Boo, and it was this late night. I like her. Yeah, she's so nice. But it was a live thing? Yeah, it was this live thing that we would go on after her and do like this weird sort of like almost scary improv How long did and you sketch show. Like on and off for a year. It was this thing where they were like, come do this for six weeks. And yeah. they were like, great. Then they were Every like, night? Uh, I think we had Mondays and Sundays what? off. Yeah. For a while, it was just Mondays off. It was a very like and you Broadway in style. Yeah, in Vegas. And then it just kept, like, it was selling well. So yeah. they were like, do six more. Yeah. So it was that kind of thing where you would sometimes have subs in for a while. Yeah, it was it was decent. And it was the first thing that I was like, oh, cool. This is, now this is how I make my money. Even yeah. if I need to, like, make Performing. this stretch. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm living so frugally. Like, this is how I'm going to make my money. Right. Now. So that was super cool in yeah. that way. But anyway, uh we made this movie with them after this very indie movie. Yeah. Um, about a family over like three or four Thanksgivings. And uh yeah, I went and met Rita's agent at the time through that. And then um from then on had like really nice, awesome agents. Yeah. But I had terrible ones before that. So you you went with him? That uh, agent? Yeah. Rita's agent? Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, that's great because she's great. Yeah, actually. she's great. I'm not with him anymore, but right. I love him forever. But it got, yeah, it yeah. got you into the game. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> There's something on here that I've never seen before that you did a bunch of episodes. What? Uh, was it an animated thing? or? Oh, or, yeah, maybe. I Yeah, I've done a bunch of episodes of this thing, We Bear Bears. Yeah, that one. Yeah. What is that? It's this really cool um, Cartoon Network show. It's one of those that's for kids, but it's actually really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do this other one at Cartoon Network now called The Fungies and same thing the guy who writes it is so funny they're fun yeah yeah, yeah. anything that you can just do voices on because oh, it, it's so weird I, I, I'm i doing a, a movie and you, it's amazing how physical you get when you're just doing voices to yeah really, totally it's wild it kind of, and yeah. it happens naturally what like what kind are you an animal or a person an animal yeah I've been uh, quite a few animals yeah I was a person once on Metalocalypse I was a squirrel Mm-hmm. On uh, Adventure Time, mm-hmm. and then I was a—I think I was a hermit crab <laughs> on the Tony Hale's new show. What animal are you in this? Can you uh, say or no? Yeah, I'm a—I'm a, a snake. Yes. Yeah, but you know, it's not like Disney. You don't have to go. Say, how's it going? You know. Like, so it's not full Jungle Book. <laughs> no, no. It, you know, they want you to be you. you yeah. Know? So how does that happen? Because that's really, I think, the first time I really saw you was with Vice Principals. Mm-hmm. And I had watched most of Eastbound and Down, but Vice Principles was just too fucking much. <laughs> like, I had to watch all of those. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And so how do you get... Because there's a very specific bunch that... I don't know how he chooses people or what the process is or how he found you. But, like, in this season, your character... Like, I'm at a point where you just start singing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I won't spoil it anymore because that's towards the end of the ones I have. Yeah, yeah. But you know that there, and he's got the you know he's got Goggins in there, and and mm-hmm. uh, you know Goodman and, mm-hmm. and Adam Devine, and him and and McBride himself. But then there's always these ones where you're like, where'd they find the ex Satanist guy? Oh right, yes. What is it like the, the how the, how that guy owns the screen? It's sort of like what's happening? <laughs> that's uh, crazily. That's uh, my friend Tony, who is a groundling with me. Who weirdly, 
I went to a dinner with Danny after he had done like you know all the casting stuff. Yeah. And um, we were at a dinner dinner with like eight people or whatever, and he was yeah. like, "Oh yeah, I think we figured out who Keith is going to be." Um, it's this dude Tony Cavallaro, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I mean, how random is that when yeah. like someone you know gets cast unbeknownst to you on the show you're on? So he's not like that at all. No, he's he's a pretty like high energy dude. It's crazy. <laughs> That's kind of a crazy character. But I think he I think he got that role in a similar way to that I got vice principals which is um just went and auditioned so that's how that's how you met those guys yeah I went uh Sherry Thomas was casting it and she had me in and I didn't know Danny and Jody Hill were going to be there yeah I just thought it was a regular like go in get on tape she right. sent it to them and they were there and uh uh, I had done this weird commercial like the tiniest thing in a Toyota commercial yeah. years before that Jody directed yeah and uh I walked in. He was like, oh, hey, Edie. And I was like, what? <laughs> you remember that thing? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I didn't know Danny at all. And I only kind of knew Jody. Uh, Did you, had you watched Eatsbound? Yeah. Love, I loved yeah. all their stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I came in and I assumed I would be reading with Danny since he was there. And I was like, okay, so cool. So we'll read it together. And he goes, no, and you'll be reading with Sherry. <laughs> so yeah. I just did the scene with Sherry in front of them. And uh, yeah, I improvised a little bit. And yeah, that's how that happened. And then we got on we got on set and had such a a weirdly instant uh, comedy chemistry. You and McGri- McBride? Yeah. Um, Were you just annoyed and, you know, kind of like... <laughs> yeah, like... It just was so immediate um, that he, uh, yeah, he morphed the whole second season. I was supposed to do, I think, three episodes in the first season. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, he just kept morphing it, which was so the he, best thing ever. It's the best thing ever in life. He just built, there was a big arc in the, in the what was it, the second season with you? Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just because you guys are so fucking funny together? Yeah, we just had such a good time together. Now, how He's much- such a- fucking funny smart dude i know it's crazy yeah and it's very unique and it's very it, you know he's one of the few guys that can be you know the most colossal asshole and still be endearing <laughs> that's always been my favorite kind of comedic character oh man me we're too. like you know yeah they're they're such assholes but you know at heart they're their own worst enemy and there's no way they're gonna get out of their own way <laughs> yeah they're just so hurt like deep down they're so wounded <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so did how much improvising is involved with that with like vice principals really um like a fair amount in the doing like we we oftentimes would get how it's scripted but then you know if if it was Danny and I in a scene or whatever it would usually open up a little bit yeah into other things but it's you know as you know it's not the kind of improvising where it's like let's think of funny jokes no 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 yeah. it's just being that person and letting right. the truth happen yeah um, which every now and then, yeah, would. But mostly scripted. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was always room to find stuff. Well, very, I think what's very funny about the characters, like in this one too, in uh, in the um, gemstones with the righteous gemstones, mm-hmm. is that there's some sort of bizarro sexuality going on. <laughs> for like your your sexual drive shaft is somehow like <laughs> way fucked up in a good way. But just like like in Vice Principles, it was just the obsessive 
yeah kind of like hungry thing yeah and in this one it's like a little more angry somehow yeah it's a yeah it's a little more um <laughs> angry and frustrated yeah, yeah yeah and you've got this weird kind of like impotent ish husband who doesn't quite and you you're you're kind of ass obsessed somehow <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah weirdly ass obsessed yeah. <laughs> yeah i feel like they're um probably into some kink judy yeah. and bj yeah but yeah. I, I don't get the, yeah right right but it happens spontaneously like it, it just yes. happens fitting their characters yes yeah. <laughs> But when you saw this group, how, what did you, you just, they just called you up and offered you this thing? Yeah. So after Vice Principals, Danny and I had wrote, written a movie and um, then kind of oh, wrote you did? another one. Yeah. We wrote this thing uh, for me, actually, that he'll direct at some point. We just haven't figured out who's going to make it and yeah. when to do it. Right. Um, And just discovered we wrote really well together. Yeah. And he... Kind of in the process of us writing stuff, he had thought of the gemstones. Yeah. And, yeah, asked me to play Judy, his sister, and then uh, later asked me to come write for the season. So you're writing too? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I watch, it's weird, because I'm watching the first one. You got pretty high expectations comedically out of this crew. And I was like, this is pretty matter. This is kind of like just setting up a story and like, when's the weird shit happen? <laughs> and then it happens, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Then it happens. <laughs> yeah, then it happens, and it keeps happening. <laughs> I just like the idea that these stunt men are just uh, these stunt people are just unkillable. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like you know, after the first time, I don't want to give away anything, but after the, <laughs> the after the first encounter where they get you know killed, it's so violent. Yeah, it's just horrendous, and then they're like, you know, I know. <laughs> I mean, they're they're messed up. They're bloody, but it's like. <laughs> They made it? Yeah, but there's just like this <laughs> attitude they have, you know, like sort of like, I'm all right, you know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. The st it's a very funny kind of like uh, world to have characters from, <laughs> like Hollywood <laughs> stunt people. Yeah, totally. That used to make us laugh a lot. Like, oh, what is that like? What's the mindset of that? Yeah. Like, there's bound to be some, bound to be a ton of great people in it, but there's bound to be some douches as well. Oh, no. You, Let's I, highlight some douches. They're real, they're kind of crazy people. Sure. You, you know, like I read the, I read a book about uh, the Wild Bunch, Peckinpah's Wild Bunch, the making mm -hmm. of it. And there's like a whole crew there. They're just like, they're crazy. Their motorcycles are jumping off of things. It's, the life they live is hard. Yeah. And I, yeah I mean, I don't want to generalize, but it seems like you got to be a certain ilk. Totally. And that guy, who's the guy that plays that guy? The, the, the uh, stunt guy. Scott MacArthur. Oof, he's funny. <laughs> yeah, he is. Where's he from? He uh, he did a bunch of seasons um, on The Mick mm -hmm. and was a writer for it, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's done a ton of other stuff, but that yeah, was no, his main yeah. thing before this. Hey, I love it. I love it. It's really, it's really getting good. And I saw the coming attractions for it, and then I, I thought, like, did they re-edit some of the press screeners or no? I just, I didn't realize that there were three more. Yeah. Now that I got to wait for, like everyone else. Yeah. I think they get really, really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm uh, I'm excited about it. So, so now you've got this movie written in the in, in, waiting to do. Yeah, with McBride. Yeah, and we'll what, do it at some point. And what what else are you working on? Um, I did uh, I did Ryan Johnson's new flick that comes out on uh, Thanksgiving. That Knives Out, that mur murder mystery thing. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, which is a. A crazy, like old school, uh, full on murder mystery. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, I did that. I did a thing in um, uh, 
uh, the new Between Two Ferns movie, and I did uh, okay. Did this movie Troop Zero that I think is coming out soon? What is that? It's uh, this thing. Allison Janney and um, uh, Viola Davis are the leads of it, and it's uh, sort of a kind of a Bad News Bears Girl Scout troop. Oh, and it's yeah. It's the movie revolves around a ton of kids, but it's. The the woman who wrote it, Lucy Alibar, also wrote like Beasts of the Southern Wild, and so it's got this uh, like almost Spielbergy vibe. Oh wow! Um, where it feels like, oh, this is a cool movie for adults. Oh, good. Yeah, oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. And it's you're kind still of doing the improv and everything. Yeah, did a improvised one person show last night. How was it? Yeah, it went great. Thank God. It, I get so jacked out nervous before that show and that's not my this is the theater one the where you make up plays no no this one is one i do uh at the growling sometimes that's just literally a one-person show that's improvised with one person uh, and it's i play all the characters and the audience come see this shit i have yeah, to man, that go one's to fun. the groundlings i don't know i'll, I'll tell you when to come <laughs> yeah do do you have my number I think I don't know. you do. Let's write it down. Well, we can do it off mic. Great. <laughs> Actually, can you write it with that sharpie so we can hear the numbers on the page? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> God forbid I have a regular pen. Now, is your husband in show business? Yeah, he's he's the AD of that group in Pro Theater. Oh, okay. And he uh, is a writer. He wrote a book uh, that's out recently about uh, how improv integrating into your life and how it can help your life. Because, oh. you know, basically it's just like, People cool, skills. Get your a, people skills. Yeah, it's a cool life philosophy to yeah. like, uh, just be be in the moment. And what yeah. want what you have and like and speak up. Be open. Yeah, be open to what's happening instead of like going way into your head. And, allow as opposed to what would you say? What did you say? You yeah, allowing help? as opposed to trying. Oh yeah. That man, oh man, I have to do so many mental gymnastics before that show I did last night, that improvise one person thing. Cause to I get into it. My brain goes fucking crazy. What does it do? Just awful nerves of like, oh my God, it's sold out. There's so many people here. I don't know what this is gonna be. Like right. I'm about to make this up. What yeah. am I doing? Right. <laughs> Why did I agree to this again? <laughs> like what what am I doing? And then I literally have to go to a place in my head where I go, um I th- I thought of this uh, the like the the second or third time I did it I had been home in Texas for like a month and a half because yeah. my dad got sick he had a couple of strokes mm. and it was a fucking hard time yeah and I came back because I was scheduled to do that show yeah and I remember driving there and going like oh my god like almost out of my body so right. nervous and I remember the only thing that calmed me down was thinking well nobody knows when they're gonna die. I could die later tonight. All I have is this, let it rip. And I've I've found that that's a very helpful philosophy in most of life. Because then you can just be where you are and whatever happens, happens. Let's see what happens. Nice. And usually it's better than you thought. Yeah. Whatever thing, whether it's going to get coffee. Right. Doing this. Yeah. Doing a show. Like, if you just go like, fuck it, I don't know. Let's see. Well, I think you've probably always had this and it's probably what got you through that existential crisis in fourth grade. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it's great talking to you. Yeah, you too. Edie Patterson, what a sweetheart. So funny. I I just 
Big fan. Uh, the Righteous Gemstones on HBO. New episode Sunday nights. And now I will play my Stratocaster for you.